Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast, where we go through the full series bit by bit. My name is Keith, going through for his last time, and as always, I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first? So today, we are actually going to be doing an episode on Ryoji Kaji, mainly because we realized that when we did these character-specific ones uh, back in season, I believe, two of the podcast, we forgot Kaji somehow. I... I'm going to be honest with you, Keith, I don't think we forgot Kaji. I think we just both independently understood that uh, we didn't have enough context to properly understand Kaji, and we needed the greater world-building of some of these other series to properly understand Kaji. That's true, mainly the manga, because the manga is what gives us mostly his backstory. So I guess it makes sense that, that would be the part we'd want to specifically hone in on. Well, that and... Uh... The Shinji Akari Racing Project. There are some good Kaji moments in there, too. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get into talking about it, uh, how do you think your prediction did? Uh, so, as we mentioned, this was not the episode we originally intended to release. Uh, so my prediction was not actually for this. That being said, my somewhat joking prediction of murder, mystery, intrigue, and romance? Spot on! A-plus prediction, Peter. Way to go. Yeah, wow, we were talking about Ryoji Kaji, who can best be summed up as uh, triple-crossing everybody constantly. Until he gets murdered. Exactly. Shortly after making Sweet Tender love to Misato. Or the melons, it could happen either way. That too. He just likes big round things and wants to die surrounded by them. <laughs> if I understood anything about uh, that last series we talked about. Tony Takizaki's. Tony Takizaki. See, that's that context we're talking about. That without it, we would have been able to make that joke. Exactly. This is why we needed to wait to talk about uh, Kaji and Toji. We should have waited to talk about Toji. There's well, still a lot to unpack with Toji, <laughs> but we'll talk about Toji for now. Yeah, Kaji. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll visit uh, Toji at some point, I guess. Give him his own episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, right off the bat. Ryoji Kaji, he uh, works for NERV and kind of the UN. He's a special inspector. Uh, we never get a real detail on what that is specifically, other than he was kind of the guardian of Asuka for a little bit. But he was Doesn't also... he also technically work for like the Japanese government in some way or something? Uh, or am I misremembering that? It's never specifically said he worked for the Japanese government, but we can probably assume he's giving and taking information to multiple people. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but his actual official title is Special Inspector, and that's for NERV in the UN. He was uh, the guardian of Asuka for a little bit, and also he was on the download delivering things to people. I on Adam the download. That sounds... I'm gonna be honest, on the download makes sense as a phrase that is said in most contexts. When said with reference to Kaji, sounds like a sexual metaphor in UN down. It's both. Double entendre? It's all of them. So, Kaji himself was born June 17th, 1985, so he would have been 15 during the events of uh, the second impact, and would have been 30 at the time of the series starting. All of that contextually makes sense to me. So, I guess, start off with his backstory. Kaji's a character that's kind of interesting, because we never really get his motivation, but he seems just carefree and shady from the beginning but as the story unfolds we end up getting some of his like motivation but even then it seems like he's probably the one character who 
is handling their trauma the best, is the best way to put it. Uh... Based on what we learn in... the manga series about his specific trauma... I don't know that I would say he's the one handling his trauma the best. Mostly because I think my therapist would tell me that pretending like there is no trauma and doing my best to ignore it isn't exactly handling trauma. And that's kind of how I would describe his behavior. Oh, really? Uh, Kaji's always kind of came off more, and this is also with what he's saying during some of these scenes, but it's more so he took the fact that his brother's death was because of like the weird stuff going on in the world. He wanted to find the truth. To find out why they were in that situation, essentially. At the end, that's when he ends up doing the heel turn of "It's now for revenge." Screw you, Sile. Uh, I, I guess I just I feel like he more so comes across as trying to put on a brave face and pretending like he's just a happy, positive dude who goes with the flow. I mean, yes, he is also just kind of crossing every double crossing everyone and uh doing what he thinks is best for himself i suppose but a part of me reads it more so as not so much him doing this uh to counteract what happened with his brother and his friends growing up but more so just as a way to like constantly be moving and never acknowledging what happened as a kid at least that's how I read it, but that could just be me putting my own shit into the Kaji character. That's fair. I would say the one thing that would say that it's not exactly that is he tells Shinji the story in the manga of what happened. So I don't think it's nearly an avoidance, but I, I definitely think it is his main motivation moving forward. And after all, in the end, it does get him killed. So uh, I guess take it as positive or negative as you will, regardless of that fact. But uh, yeah. the, the main thing that Kaji's trying to get across to Shinji in that scene anyways is that the decisions you make and the deaths that happen because of it, you have to pretty much carry that person's dreams on with you. As in like, Toji's dead, nothing you can do about it. But your decisions ultimately did lead to his death, so you have to like, carry Toji's will with you essentially. Just like I carry all those dead children. Both literally and metaphorically. Kaji is constantly carrying around dead children. Don't look under the melon patch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose it could be that. I don't know. I just... <sighs> I Everyone is terrible in this series. Uh, arguably with the exception of Kaji. Everyone's terrible about dealing with their trauma. And comes up with a way of ignoring their trauma instead of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, or dealing with it in a negative way. Where kind of be Sato... She kind of has almost the same personality as Kaji when she's not working, which is, you know, the drunk and loose thing. But whereas for Kaji, I think that's less of a act to make himself feel better where Misato's is. I think Kaji's is more of... It's a twofold thing where he, he flirts a lot, which I think is supposed to, like, make people lower their guard around him. Because he, he flirts with Ritsuko and Maya, but it's never implied that he wants to, like, go anywhere with it. It's just him flirting with them. And it's usually always during a point where he needs a distraction. Well, that's what makes me feel like a lot of his personality is a front, is because it is hard to tell what is him being sincere and what is him being kaji because of how much time he spends 
flirting or shit like that when it's clearly not what he actually is desiring in that moment. It's him putting on a front of pretending to be someone he's not. I pretend pretending to be someone who uh, wants to sleep with anyone and everyone. Yeah, and that's uh, why I think the like probably the two scenes we would have to look at to well in the original series in the manga to look at to get what probably the true sense of Kaji is would be anytime he's alone with Misato or Shinji because those are really the moments where I think he's very serious and like giving his motivational speeches I guess is the best way to put it yeah those are the moments where he allows himself to be vulnerable I'll accept as a phrase uh, the other time I would point out because we don't get a lot of it in Rebuild but uh, it's the off-scene scene of uh, him sacrificing himself to stop Impact to give humanity and all those vegetables a chance. Yeah. But once again, that's not necessarily healthy behavior. Sacrificing yourself for others isn't... I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's not what I would describe as healthy behavior. Fair. Oh, and I, I don't think the situation was Kaji just waiting for the moment like, Oh my god, I hope someone needs someone to sacrifice themselves. That's gonna be me. No. I call dibs. No, of course not. Uh, I just want to put it out there for our viewers of if you're in a terrible situation and your mind jumps to I will sacrifice myself to save everyone else, that's very noble of you, but that's not necessarily healthy of you. Yeah. And that's the thing, without the full context of what happened there, it's hard to say specifically. Because uh, I don't think we're even told if Kaji knew that Misato was pregnant when this happened or anything along those lines. He just knew that it was a one-way trip for whoever was doing it, and because he came up with the plan, he went forward with it. Yeah. Classic Kaji. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't mean to suggest he's, uh, like... He's definitely the best off of the characters, regardless. Uh, he's, definitely, he's definitely the best off. I just... I don't think I would say he's entirely well adjusted just oh, yeah. because he is clearly still avoiding some trauma. Maybe not all of it. Maybe he's addressing some of it better than others. But he's clearly still avoiding some of it. And while self-sacrifice is very noble, it's it could very easily be that he, at some point in his level, still holds on to the guilt for the kids dying. And that's the reason he sacrificed himself. Uh, or said, like, I have to be the one to sacrifice myself because I came up with a plan. That could just as easily be an excuse of, I still hold the guilt of those children who died. I need to sacrifice myself to balance my score sheet through life or something like that. That's fair. Although, I think the reason I don't follow that side of like myself going through Kaji's story is because his coping mechanism, where all the characters kind of have what like their negative fault, where Asuka keeps putting people down to make herself feel better, Shinji just doesn't engage with people because he's scared of being hurt. Kaji's always felt like it was obsession with the truth, to a fault. So not so much like uh, uh, self-destructive, but more of destructive around him, where he will do anything for the truth. And that's kind of what leads to his death. This is how my interpretation of it was. Like he I will could give see that, the but bad also guys like... exactly what they need for their evil plan if it gets them that much closer to the truth. But, and... Um... That, I would argue, is a self-destructive trait, even if not directly. But the fact that he is... You could argue he's more so obsessed with destroying the lies and injustice around him, or however you want to phrase it. But he is very clearly willing to sacrifice everything to achieve the truth. 
which is what I kind of take as a less than healthy uh, coping mechanism, becoming that deeply obsessed with the concept of truth. Yeah. And I do think he would fully end his own life if it meant that truth would be put out there for others. Um, which is also equally possible what happened with the uh, third impact or near third impact. No, that one was actual third impact. Near third impact was Shinji. <laughs> yeah. The one where he died was actual third impact. Exactly. Man, fucking rebuild's got a confusing timeline. I mean, people would argue that a lot of the stuff in the Evangelion series is confusing. Everything about Evangelion is confusing. I don't mean to discredit <laughs> everything else by saying rebuild's confusing. I just, in that specific moment, was thinking about rebuild, so rebuild stuck up. Uh, but yeah, Kaji's is the one who ends up putting a lot of characters on track to kind of finding out what Nerve's doing. Uh, I think his two biggest things would be passing the torch to Misato, uh, which kind of dictates her whole narrative plot points in the second half of the series. Uh, but it, I think his biggest one is actually probably his few chats he has with Shinji. Because there's the first one where he's taking care of... Uh, Shinji and Asuka because uh, Misato's uh, off doing something. can't remember what it is at the exact moment, but he's the one taking care of them too. And then after that, he shows Shinji the melon patch, and then finally there's the confrontation with Shinji and Kaji when Zuriel's attacking. Kaji's ultimately the one who kind of makes Shinji make a choice for the first time almost. That's his choice. Yeah. I believe it, the episode was like a man's choice or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which I think is probably the most interesting thing about the character of Kaji is that even though he himself is not directly tied to any of the big plot threads, he seems to be connected to all the characters and them making their choices for their narrative arcs. Uh, he's fucking Red Skull on Thymeria, or whatever the planet's called, Novaria, in uh, fucking Avengers. <laughs> he's the, I lead others to a treasure I cannot attain for myself. Peace His goal mind. isn't... Yeah, he doesn't fucking achieve uh, a properly self-centered sense of balance or anything. And he also doesn't achieve the uh, existence of moving the plot forward. What he does is he gets other people to that centered sense of self, while also allowing them to move the plot forward. That's what though, Kaji does. At the same time, he also gets characters to their lowest point, because after he dies, it's pretty negative for the rest of the series. Like, when, when Toji went, there was that little bit of, like, there's still a bit of hope in here, but then when Kaji went, it's like, no, the series is dark now. Yes. Uh, Kaji dying uh, is really... I'm not going to say the start of the downward spiral, because it definitely started spiraling downwards before Kaji died. Yeah, I think the Toji uh, de or death injury, the, the whole Bardial thing is definitely yes. the beginning of it. So what I would say is Toji and Bardial is probably the moment, like, you know how when you flush the toilet, um, initially water's just like spinning around in a circle but not going downwards? That's when that starts. Kaji's death is when the shit starts passing through the pipes into the drain. <laughs> it's quite the analogy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sticking beside my analogy of 
uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is just flushing shit down a toilet. That's what it is. Uh, now, the, uh, sticking with the anime uh, aspect, too, uh, where the manga focuses more kind of on his backstory, uh, the anime kind of focuses more on his plot in the current, I think is the best way to put it. Because uh, an interesting thing we end up getting is his death is ultimately triggered by Sile orders him to capture Fuyutsuki. Yep. So he takes Fuyutsuki to Sile. And then he also decides, I'm going to be the person working for Nerve that frees Fuyutsuki. Yeah, he does the double cross, but in such a way that instead of both sides still thinking he's kind of on their side, he does it in such a way that uh, he has proven he's double crossing to both sides and they both know it. Um, and uh, I think this is something that's missed a little bit uh, upon first watching, and that's that Kaji wanted the information that Fuyutsuki had and knew that Fuyutsuki would only give it to Sile when he's being interrogated. So he specifically put Fuyutsuki in danger just so Fuyutsuki would have to go through the interrogation so Kaji could hear everything. Yes. But if you're paying attention to Tony Takizaki's series, Fuyutsuki never actually had to give the information. He's a jacked old man who could start human, inter uh, human instrumentality purely through sheer force of muscle. So... <laughs> Really, Kaji just created a situation believing it's what was necessary, but it wasn't actually necessary. <laughs> Fuski left Kaji behind, and that's why he got shot. Yeah. And then, left uh, him behind while heading off to start instrumentality entirely on his own. Yeah. I like the idea that during Fuski's caused instrumentality, Kaji still gets shot. Yeah. That was actually the one, like, vignette from uh, Takizaki's that was purely canon. That's 100% how it went down. And actually, uh, on the topic of his death uh, in the anime and the manga series, it's probably one of, like, the sadder moments of the series, too. And yeah. it never really has a conclusion, uh, for lack of a better word, to the whole thing. There's no payoff to... No, Kaji's it's one of those... It's one of those moments where he dies, the audience feels uh, like a level of first-hand sadness, and then we spend the next episode or chapter or whatever watching everyone else slowly find out that he's died and getting to experience the sadness all over again, although secondhand this time. And it's just... It's rough, is what it is. It's one of those interesting things, too, where... Uh, we never find out who the killer is. Now, there are some adaptions and stuff like that where uh, you kind of find out who the killer is, but you never really get a name. Uh, what I mean by specifically, there's a PlayStation 2 game, Secret of Evangelion, where uh, the character you're playing, uh, Kyoya Kenzaki, I believe the name is. Do you get to shoot Kaji yourself? Yeah, he, he's the one who kills Kaji. If you get the correct ending, that like it's possible that he doesn't do it at all. It's like a branching narrative story. And there's like 20 sure. endings, and in some of the routes, you're the one that shoots Kaji. That's pretty cool. You get to shoot Kaji all by yourself. Exactly. You get to inflict that sadness on everyone else. You get to be the reason. You get to be what Gendo wanted to be in the world. <laughs> uh. Honestly, yeah, you cause a lot of sadness for Asuka, and that's really what I want from Evangelion, is to cause Asuka more sadness. But yeah, outside of that one game, The Secret of Evangelion, 
we never have anything for who killed Kaji, and Kyoya does not exist in anything else except for the Secret of Evangelion game, so take it as you will, but... Uh, Keith, you're forgetting uh, another source that uh, says who killed Kaji, and that's my personal fanfiction, which is that Kaji actually shot a mirror, and the mirror reflected the bullet back at him, so technically Kaji shot himself. I thought you were going to say the one where Shinji shot him. Oh, that is another one. Is that something we've discussed on this uh, series? The Our personal fan theory that Shinji shot Kaji? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we have discussed that with the fans as well. <laughs> uh, so the only thing I can assume is this is like a Mr. Burns style thing where in every timeline someone different shoots Kaji. Yeah. It's literally, uh, that's actually the one bit of, like, uh, Moneyball, I guess, that, uh, Kaoru is playing with this series. It's not changing different conditions to make Shinji happy, it's changing who kills Kaji to see how that affects Shinji's happiness, and it's just every other difference that happens is purely a consequence of him, uh, playing with the variables to see uh, who's killing Kaji this time. He's playing a looping game of who killed Mr. Kaji, hoping that that's the one variable that will change everything. Yeah. What if, instead of a person killing Kaji, what if it's third impact that kills Kaji? Let's try that. Oh shit, this actually worked! Fuck yeah, let's go! Kara's already dead at this point, but still aware oh, yeah. of what's happening. He, he could never correct the uh, one flaw in all the timelines of his head exploding. Yeah, that's 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 locked in there. To be fair, that's probably also locked in there by design. Is he had two variables to play with: who kills Kaji and how do I die? And wasn't willing to fuck with the second dial, so only got to play with the who kills Kaji dial. He, he probably perfected it. Yeah. Well, I know for sure my head exploding definitely made uh, made Shinji just a little bit happier. So let's play around with other things because that one's locked in as being the best possible option for Shinji. <laughs> It What's actually, even wrong? Uh, speaking of uh, Kaoru, that, that's uh, probably a good one to speak on to because in the rebuilds we get a whole relationship between Kaji and Kaoru. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, there's separate stories that we find out Kaji and Kaoru just kind of like led Nair for a while while uh, Gendo was ousted. Yeah. Fun, fun times. Yeah, it seems that the whole. Uh, melon plot that Shinji got uh, Kaoru ends up getting instead. Yep. I mean, it makes sense that those two would be paired up. They are the two characters who definitively fuck. Like, out of all the characters in the series, those are the two who definitely have sexual intercourse. So, uh, it would make sense that they would be paired up in the team. I mean, not, not to spoil the fun here, but we know that Shinji was born of Gendo. Keith, we uh, we had one agreement when we started this podcast, and that's as we go through the podcast, you would not spoil plot details for me before we arrive at them. And now here you are, spoiling the fact that Gendo is Shinji's father for me. It's actually pretty fucked up of you to do that. Now, I, I can see why you might be confused after uh, all of the content we've gone through, but yes, that is in fact canon. Jeez. And here I was playing with my own personal headcanon that Gendo was actually Shinji's son. Shinji goes back in time and birth, 
I was going to say births, but that's not the word for when a man does it. Sires. Uh, my theory was that Shinji goes back in time and sires Gendo. Oh, you read Anima. Yeah, wait, what? Don't worry about it. Okay. I'm not going to. Is this a uh, is this a Futurama situation where Fry goes back in time and is his own grandfather? Well, you'll have to find out eventually. Can we... Can we be done with this podcast? This is making me upset. <laughs> I don't like this. It's great because uh, I think we're back at a point where we don't know if I'm fucking with you again. Oh no, we're 100% back at that point. It's not great though, it's pretty awful. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think there's actually one more relationship Kaji has uh, we have to touch on a little bit. Which is uh, the other character named Ryoji Kaji, his son. To be fair... The one timeline where we see Ryoji Kaji, uh, the son, and not just the fuck. I mean, I guess they're both technically the son. The one timeline we see where Ryoji Kaji is a father uh, to a son who's also named Ryoji Kaji, they don't exist at the same time, so I don't know if we can talk about their relationship in that much detail. But if you've got thoughts you want to share with the world, you go right ahead, buddy. Well, I just thought it was interesting that Kaji was the one who was dead and not Misato in this circumstance. Why would Misato be the one who's dead? Them's the rules. Oh, because moms die in the Evangelion universe because it's actually set in the Disney universe. Yeah. I see what you're saying. The so question is, is Kaji the mother? I would say, actually, do we know anything about what happened with Third Impact? Uh, all we know is that Kaji flew a helicopter into the Angel and uh, Gendo took back control of Nerve. Was it actually an angel? Was it not an Ava? Uh, it was, so you know in 3.33? Uh, uh, yes. That thing that uh, Shinji and them fight? It was that. Okay. That's you can even shame. see Kaji's helicopter when he goes in. I was going to say, if it was an Ava that somehow triggered third impact, and that's what Kaji sacrificed himself fighting... Uh, we could have the moment where Kaji's soul is now inside that Ava, and he could allow Ryoji Kaji to become an Ava pilot by interfacing. And this would be the one time when someone interfaces with their father to pilot an Ava Gelly. Or we could be coming back to your fan theory of Ryoji Kaji is actually the mother and Misato is somehow the father. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was the angel was trapped inside Unit 5. Uh, and then they disabled Unit 5, which freed the Angel in 3.33. So, it technically also was an Ava, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was just the husk of an Ava at that point. I'm still choosing to live in the world where Unit 5 can now be piloted by Ryoji Kaji uh, through interfacing with his mother, Ryoji Kaji. But first you have to get him away from his future Melon Batch. Which is just grass, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there's a patch of grass he was quite fond of. That sounds right. Man, I kind of wish in uh, 3.33 they had a scene of them farming melons, and like melon was one of the like few remaining sources of food. That, I feel like, would have been really poetic. Well, the legacy of Kaji ends up being not his son who is in the series for like, you know, three minutes. But the fact that on The Wonder, he has pretty much an arc of just plant seeds. Yes. 
that they launch into space at the end of the series. His progeny that exists uh, into the universe is not his actual son. It is his seed. He seeded the universe. Which uh, could be interpreted uh, metaphorically to say he uh, planted his genome on the universe and made love to a bunch of alien women. But no, we mean quite literally he sent out seeds into the universe and that is his progeny. Shinji, uh, Kaji fucked space. Kaji fucked space. Agreed. The secret uh, fifth movie in the Rebuild series. Rebuild 5.55. Kaji fucked space. No, it'd be like 2.22 plus 3.33 additional or something like that. Yeah, that's true. We come between 2 and 3. So it would be uh, 2.22, 3.33. I, I mean, I could still accept 5.55 because it's 2.22 plus 3.33, and that's the argument they're making. Uh, but we could also just, like, average it and have it be, like, 2.84 or something like that. 2.84. Kaji fucks space. I'd watch it. I'd write it. Film it. I wouldn't direct it. I'd require someone else to do the directing, but I would write and film it. Go here first, folks. Uh, our new season that's coming up where we write the new Evangelion movie. <laughs> Rebuild 2.87 or whatever. Kaji fucks space. Uh, so uh, here, here's a fun thing for you, uh, because we haven't done it with uh, Kaji's name yet, but what do you think Kaji's name means? <sighs> And uh, when you realize his relationship with all the characters, it makes quite a bit of sense. Alright, so I was going to say it's a boat like everyone else, but now that you've mentioned his relationship with everyone else, does it mean like ship's captain or something like that? No. Although, to be fair, uh, there's a few characters whose names aren't specifically uh, a type of boat, but more of a boat thing. Like Shinji's anchor. Oh, yeah, fair. Is it the sea? Does Kaji mean the sea? No. Kaji means a rudder. Ah, because he gives the boat's direction. Ah, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the most egregious when it comes to naming characters I've ever seen has to be the Dragon Ball series. What are you talking about? All those characters got cool names. I'm just saying, there's a very simple naming scheme, and uh, I guess people use it. Like, carrots, or the freezer, or something like that? I don't know, I haven't watched Dragon Ball. Carrot cake? I'm trying to think of any character from, uh, Dragon Ball, and literally the only name I can think of is, uh... God, I can't even think of the main guy's name, I just want to call him Dragon Ball. <laughs> He's got a name, though. I'm pretty sure it's Dragon Ball, it's right there in the title. Oh god, this is a very- uh, Shen- Shenron the dragon- Goku! Fucking Goku! <laughs> Jesus. How did I forget Goku and just wanted to call him Dragon- Oh god, I'm the boomer mom right now, aren't you? Aren't I? Oh, you watched that show? What's that main character's name? Goku? Or not Go Oh fuck, I just fucked up my dumb impression. Who do you think would win in a fight, little boy? Dragon Ball or Superman? I don't know about you, but I'm going to refer to him exclusively as the Dragon Ball. I, I think I kind of, after this point, have to exclusively refer to him as Dragon Ball. This is the worst. 
I... We... Alright, so... Stepping behind the curtain, revealing fun facts about the two beautiful, handsome men who make this podcast. I have watched an anime or two in the past. Um... A, a, a couple animes, if you've listened to other podcasts we've made, I've talked about other animes in the past before. But for whatever reason, when we started this podcast, I wanted to put on the, like, disguise of being a guy who doesn't understand anime as all at all to make this extra fun for Keith introducing me to Evangelion. Which is why I did shut, like, pronounce it Baka every time the word came up and we had to say it. Um... That was completely serious, what happened there, with me forgetting Dragon Ball's name and being unable to call him anything other than Dragon Ball. That was 100% sincere. That's what happens. And it's what's happening from now on in. That, that was real. And it is real. We went really fast from Kaji fucking space to Peter's confession about watching anime. I have watched an anime, and uh, uh, to be clear, it clearly wasn't Dragon Ball. <laughs> um... Isn't there, like, uh, that little girl, she's, like, Robot 27 or uh, uh, 19? Robot 19? Android 18? Android 18? God, oh boy! I'm gonna stop trying to name characters from animes and stop embarrassing myself. Uh, so what were we talking about, Kaji? Um, uh, so I just give you the fun fact that his name means rudder. Right, that's, that's how we got there. And then I brought up that's a stupid name. All these characters have stupid names, and you said it's not as bad as uh, Dragon Ball, uh, the famous character from Dragon Ball. Alright, I understand how we got to where we are now. Um, so, any, anything else about Rudder? Uh, man, the myth, the legend? So, uh, we briefly touched on it, but uh, Kaji's also involved with one of the uh, biggest arguments in the series, which is who killed Kaji. Uh, and the uh, misconception that... Uh, Ano himself had to step in and say it was incorrect that Misato was the one who killed him. Uh, yeah, that one, we talked about this around the time when Kaji died. We also talked about it when we were going through the manga and Kaji died. That argument holds no water for me because we can see Misato realizing that he has died at a later point in time and being emotionally wrecked by it. So the idea that she killed him and then, like, I don't know, got a neuralizer from Men in Black and made herself forget about it so she could remember later and be sad is just wild to me that some people thought that's what was going on. Yeah, and it was mainly because the original way that the series was framed, because uh, later editions, like the ones we watched, changed some of the sequencing around. Because the original one, uh, I believe I mentioned at the time too, was, it was sure from Kaji saying, you're late, gunshot sound, then Misato's door that says Misato. Yeah, I guess watching it live in the moment, especially depending on how that episode ended and whether or not we got to see Misato finding out in the same episode, or if we had to wait a week, I could maybe see some people start theorizing that Misato was the one who killed Kaji, and then spend a week, like, digging in the trench that they would then later die in, and no amount of evidence was ever going to kick them out of that trench. Like, I could see that being a thing. I suppose. But, like, from someone who just watched it, uh, essentially binged it in that we watched it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and also had the slightly different sequencing. It just doesn't make any sense from my perspective. But 
I'm not going to say the people who believe that are crazy, even though I think that is what I implied at the beginning of this topic. But I'm not going to say it now. Let's put it that way. And overall, like, the, the three popular ones were Misato, uh, Gendo himself, and Ritsuko. And Cat Lady. Oh, Ritsuko, of course. Uh, Cat Lady was one that popped up, but it never reached the popularity. But I, I believe the Cat Lady is probably the one. As I believe that's the person who also informs Ritsuko. Ah, uh, fair. I'm a big fan of, uh... What's his name from that video game series? I think he's the one who did it. <laughs> Dragon Ball? There's a Dragon Ball game, right? Yeah, Dragon Ball did it. Yeah, Dragon Ball. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, oh, pretty much the only thing we can know for sure is... It was most likely someone on Sile's orders that killed him. Because at this point, Kaji had kind of thrown in his lot with Gendo by saving Futsuki. He says as much when he's setting him free that now he knows what's going on and who's responsible. Yeah. Which also, I guess, raises the question of why Kaji would have separated himself from Futsuki and not just got back to Nerve HQ with Futsuki. Yeah. I would, I would like to think Futsuki, being the upstanding man that he is, would have vouched for Kaji. It's like, hey, this guy needs to be protected by Nerve. But at the same time, I guess Sile couldn't really do anything about that. Our Especially nerve. not in those weird air conditioner vents with the large fans, or wherever it was that he was when he died. Yeah, I don't even know where the hell he was. He was sticks to a giant van. So I guess uh, one last question here for you. Where would you rate uh, Kaji at in uh, all the characters? He's Maybe. definitely one of the better characters in my mind. I don't think I would put him at the top. Um, I hate to admit it, but uh, I, I think I would put Gendo above him. Not in terms of, like, a likable character, but in terms but of, like... But he's definitely a better uh, dad. Uh, well, yes, he is a better dad, that's for sure. Um, as we know from previous episodes, Gendo's a pretty good dad. Uh, maybe the best dad. No, uh, I would say Gendo's a better written and more compelling character than Kaji. At least oh, yeah. to me personally. Well, I do think Kaji's Gendo's a very... the main antagonist. Exactly. Him, so. so it's kind of hard to outrank him in terms of that, because they spend so much time developing him and writing him and giving him plot. Um, and just due to the nature of the fact that a lot of Kaji's purpose isn't to directly affect the plot itself, but instead to be a sounding board that other people bounce themselves off of and slowly become a normal person throughout the interaction. Yeah. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I like Kaji. I think Kaji's a great character. Uh, but I wouldn't put him at the top of the list. Maybe top five. Yeah. There's only like ten major characters, so top five's... Top four. <laughs> Let's go top four. I put him top four. Yeah. And uh, if I had to equate him to a character in another series that kind of fits into like a similar type of category for what the character is, it would be the original Maze Hughes from the Full Malikma series, where he's only there for like four episodes in the original version, and his whole purpose is to die and set off the plot that, like, the darker underbelly thing's going on, and that's ultimately what Kaji kind of does. He shows up, gives some word of wisdom, becomes very likable, and then gets killed off to start the what's wrong with Nerve plot. Yeah. Alright, so here's the thing. Uh, 
that's probably accurate. I've never watched Full Metal Alchemist either, so I just have no idea if that's accurate. But sure, that's accurate. Uh, fuck, I need to defend myself before our anime fans listen to this <laughs> podcast, because I'm going to get a lot of angry emails in the not-too-distant future. I started watching anime, like, within the past decade, so, like, I don't have all of those foundational childhood animes that uh, structured you as a human and gave you a big deeper understanding of the beauty of art that exists within this world so if there's something that came out older than a decade ago i promise you i have not watched it and i'm just i'm sorry about that the one exception being neon genesis evangelion with which uh potentially uh no yeah no my best friend forced me to fucking watch to, so we could make a podcast together that's the one thing that's older than a decade that i've fucking watched so get off my back and it's just as old as you, actually, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it, it came out in 94, didn't it? Uh, for the manga, 94, the anime, 95. Okay, so I'm about as old as the manga. Uh, I'm a couple months older than the manga, because it came out, like, a month of the year, something. Uh, I believe it was November. Yeah, so I'm, I'm almost a year older than the manga, and I am a year older than the anime. Anime came out in October, so I'm like a year and a half older than the anime. <laughs> Get fucked, anime! I'm a year and a half older than you. You heard here first. Peter older than anime. Scrub. Scrub Lord. Uh, I don't know why I'm picking a fight with that anime right now. <laughs> At least you're not picking a fight with the Dragon Ball Man. I'm... I'm... Preparing myself to pick a fight with the fans because I know the fans are going to want to pick a fight with me when they find out I started watching anime within the past decade and haven't watched Dragon Ball or Full Metal Alchemist or what's another great one that everyone talks about how amazing it is? Um, uh, the, the, yeah, Inuyasha. You want, I was gonna say, do you want if you want older stuff? I guess like Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh yeah, definitely haven't watched any Gundam series. Um, oh, there's. One that people constantly talk about, and they're always like, What? You've never watched that? How couldn't you? And I'm like, here's the thing. I didn't. That's the. That's how I didn't. How I didn't watch it is by not watching it. So if there's a manga out there, manga, anime, if there's anything out there that you truly love from your childhood, I did not experience it, and my life is richer for it. Because now I get to experience it as an adult for the first time, and critically judge it, and have no amount of nostalgia uh, tempering my views. Well, if you want to pick a fight with Peter, you can always send us an email at whatismypodcastabout.gmail.com. The worst part is I'm the one who actually checks our email regularly, so if you send a hostile email to our email address, I will be the one who reads it and feels the shame in my bones. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way to end the Kaji episode right there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we gave you the email. Uh, of course, as always, uh, these episodes go up every Wednesday on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube. So like, favorite, subscribe, leave a review, comment, tell a friend. Specifically leave a message for Peter, I guess, at this point. On top of that, we also have the Instagram page, Farewell Evangelion, where we update facts about the series as we go through it, bit by bit, at the same spot that we're going through, so you can follow along. We're also pretty quick to get back to you there. Uh, that one is mainly me, uh, so Peter might not get that message, but uh, I'll pass it on to him, I guess. I will get the message, even if uh, I'm not the one who directly receives it. Keith will make sure I get that message. And next time, we'll be hopping back into another of the spin-off manga series. So, as always, Peter, what can we expect on the next episode of Fairway Evangelion? 
a mystery, uh, a act of detecting, and uh, maybe some diaries. And plenty of fans. Of course.